there, mamas. I hope you're having a great week. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you are listening to this episode this weekend, um, I hope that you had an incredible holiday and spent time with family and just got to enjoy some quiet or at least some relaxation. I don't know if your house is very quiet. Mine is not very quiet (laughs) during holidays, but um, I'm excited to bring you this episode today. I will be talking to Miss Christina Lee and Christina and I met through a mutual friend that I work with and have also together been on a little bit of a health journey and I will let her share about that. But Christina is a principal and a busy working mama and so I am excited for you to hear her story uh, today. So thanks for joining me for today's episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan podcast. Well, hey, Christina. Thanks so much for joining me today from the Walmart parking lot. (laughs) You said you're doing some shopping. So this is like multitasking, you know, extraordinaire here doing this while you're sitting there waiting to go shopping. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we dive in here, can you just kind of tell listeners, you know, who are you a little about your family and what you do, you know, professionally? Um, Yes. So um, I um, am from St. Louis. I have pretty much been here most of my life. I was born in Kansas City. And um, I have a husband. His name is Tuan. We are going to be celebrating our um, 16th or 17th wedding anniversary (laughs) this summer. Um, And we've been together for over 20 years, high school sweethearts. And we have three boys. Um, I have a 15-year-old, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old. And they definitely keep me busy. And I um, have been uh, an early childhood educator for the last 17 years. And uh, the last five years, this is my fifth year, um, being the principal of the early childhood center that I began in. Okay, very cool. Um, well, I wanted to, to chat with you, um, just, you know, you, every time I talk to you, and as I mentioned in the intro, Christina, I kind of got introduced via a mutual friend, um, that I work with and Christina has been on quite the health journey over the past year. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, can you kind of tell people what you've done? Like you've accomplished huge goals and, and I, We'll share some pictures and stuff when I when I post our episode because your story is really really incredible. But can you kind of tell people what the last like year has looked like? Because I think you mentioned you started a year or two ago. Is that right? Um, actually, I I think I really hit it about five years ago. Oh, okay. Um, and that picture I showed you was from you know going on hitting right around that nine to ten year mark where okay. things kind of had gotten to the worst. Um, so I've struggled with my weight most of my life. Um, I remember working really hard to lose, you know, about 60 or so pounds before I got married. Um, and then got married and started having kiddos pretty much right away and just let it go. Figured, um, the kids were more important. I didn't need to really work on me, Mm. um, which obviously, um, through the journey currently, I'm learning that, you know, without me working on me, it's really hard to work on them as well. Yeah. And, um, so really those, the last five years have been, you know, some of the biggest. And, um, after my third kiddo, I hit my heaviest weight and to date, at this point, I am about 105 pounds lighter than wow. I was at that, at that point when I had my youngest, who's nine now. Um, and so I think, though, some of the most impressive things just within this last year, or really just in these last few weeks even, is that um, my weight loss journey has been a series of competitions and doing it for that you know, that next thing. So my wedding or looking at a bathing suit or going on a trip. Um, and then it became just a series of paleo competitions at, at a local gym that I was a part of. 
And what I didn't really notice is that when that competition ended, I just kind of started to go back to some of my old habits Sure. that I never really recognized or broke all the way. I was just, they were kind of hiding under that competitiveness in me mm-hmm. um, to win. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, um, this current journey that I'm so glad that uh, my friend introduced me to you and just talked about it openly has really helped me to dive into why I would go back and, you know, with COVID and everything, I definitely started to revert back to old ways, unhealthy ways, and had let, you know, some of those pounds and inches creep back on. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I mean, I have lost 85 pounds at this point on my journey, and I know what kind of heaviness, aside from the scale, but just heaviness in general, um, that that has freed up off of my life. And so I can imagine 105 pounds. I mean, that is incredible. Um, and, and to be a busy working mom with three kids, um, it's just amazing. So kudos to you, you know, for doing that and for tackling that. One of the things you said when you were talking there for a second um, that you've been learning is that you, when you choose yourself, it doesn't mean you're not choosing them. And this was actually one of the things that you wanted to talk about. Can you kind of unpack that a little bit? Because I think as mamas, gosh, I have I've had so many conversations with moms, right? Especially now with me health coaching and stuff. I talk to women regularly and, and mamas regularly. And we are so quick to do anything for our kids. You know, think about being pregnant and we give up lunch meat and we give up sushi and we give up wine and we give up, you know, some of us give up caffeine and we give up all kinds of things, um, you know, for our kids. But then when it comes time to think about making a sacrifice for ourselves or doing something to put ourselves first, somehow that gets tied in with this mom guilt um, and we feel like we're putting ourselves ahead of our family, and so we're not choosing them. And so can you talk a little bit about what that has looked like for you now you've kind of been able to separate those things and prioritize yourself? Absolutely. Um, I think that, that choosing me means choosing them really hits um, It hits all of the areas. It, it goes into foods. It goes into working out. It goes into just being a working mom in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also, for for me, dives a lot into that mental health piece. Um, and so when I look at just my previous, you know, strategies of, you know, put everything into my family. Um, and so I wouldn't worry about what I was choosing to cook and what I was choosing to um, make for myself. I was making sure I was taking care of them first. And then there really wasn't any time for me after yeah. that. I was too tired or, you know, maybe the day was just too gone at that point. And um, so when it came down to, you know, really first recognizing that I was feeling tired, I was definitely very cranky. Mm-hmm. And I think I did a lot of that blaming um, where, you know, I just kind of blamed it on all of these things, but yet kept just pushing through and making sure that they had everything that they needed. Yeah. Um, I think there were a couple of aha moments when I realized that if I just continue to give um, one, I won't have anything left. If, you know, I don't have much left to give if I'm tired and, you know, my mental health is not where it needs to be. And that I'm also maybe not helping support them to be the best that they can. You know, I, every parent wants their kiddos to be able to be active members of society when they grow older, sure. not realizing that that all tied in. Yeah. Um, and so I, the first step really was with any of the journeys, no matter what the plan that I was trying, it was making sure that I set aside that commitment to whether it was working out or taking that extra hour at the grocery store because there were things you know, I could pretty much find everything they want at the one stop. Um, really, the other stops are because I need to find that special cauliflower rice that I really want. Right. Like barbecue sauce, <laughs> okay. whatever it is. Um, and I think sometimes before I would say, oh, well, I've got everything they need. I'll, I just don't need that right now. And, yeah. and I, would, I would start to, you know, maybe just feel less accomplished. Um, and I started to recognize that I actually was – a better mom 
when I took a minute to myself and whether it was wandering the grocery store aisles for an hour by myself or going to the gym, um, both of those, sometimes it was really hard to say that, you know, oh, but they're at home by themselves again, or I worked all day yesterday. Um, but just to be able to put those together and recognize that all of that was making me who I was Mm -hmm. and that if I could do better, then they were going to not only observe that, um, and see that. And I started talking about it before, you know, when I first started, I would, I would go to the gym early in the morning so that they, you know, I wouldn't bother their routines and schedules. And Mm -hmm. then when that didn't work, when my husband's schedule changed, I was like, oh gosh, you know, now I'm going to have to do it in the evenings when, you know, they're going to notice. But I started just talking about it. I'm going to work out so that I can be healthy. Um, when I come back from a workout, I feel refreshed and ready. And yeah. um, I'm not, I can tell that if I haven't done it in a couple of days or if I've put it off, then really I'm putting myself off. I'm, I'm setting myself aside. But then I notice I'm getting cranky with them or short with them. And yep. I realize that it really does affect who I really want to show up. And be. I, I want to show up and be that mom who supports them to be the best they can be. Mm-hmm. And I can't, couldn't do it if I wasn't doing that same, having that ex- same expectation for myself. Yeah. No, I think there's so many good things in there that you said. One, I love that you said you started talking about it because I think sometimes we underestimate what our kiddos can like understand. You know, my daughter's only eight and I'm on this health journey. And, you know, our culture tells us that skinny is pretty, right? Like, that's what our culture perpetuates. And she's even had some of these conversations with her peers at school or she'll see things on TV or whatever. And so we have these big conversations now around health. Mommy's not eating that because why? Because she's working on her health. You're working on getting healthier, mom. And why is it important for mommy to be healthy? Well, so that you have more energy and so you sleep better. And so and so she's connecting the dots to... It's not so mommy can look awesome in these jeans, although that is definitely an excellent added benefit. (laughs) But, uh, you know, it's because I want to be the best for you guys, you know. Um, And then the second thing I thought about was you were talking about, like, setting an expectation. Do we really want to teach our kids that burnout is best? Like, you know, do we really want to show them that, like, just exhaust yourself and give everything you can um, to others so you can be grouchy with your family when you have kids? You know, I mean, we really are demonstrating that that family dynamic and really teaching and showing them how to prioritize themselves and take care of themselves. So I think those are really good points. And I love that. Um, do you talk through that? You know, I initially kind of tried to hide it because I didn't want to mess with their schedule or that. And, you know, um, I think as, as moms, that's what we do. We try to do things that don't inconvenience, you know, anybody else. So. Yes. One of the things that, um, as I was listening to you talk, that I've just recently really started, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts and just really trying to, that mental health piece. And yeah. one of the things that I see a lot of people will make posts or they'll make comments who are really struggling in their world um, just with everything going on right now. And they'll make this kind of statement um, that it, that's kind of like, um, you know, self-care, you, you know, you can't give what you don't have, but the way that it's um, used in, in the sense is that, you know, I'm only going to take care of me and I'm not really going to, and that no one else really matters. That's kind of my perception Mm. of some times when I see those posts that say, you know, I'm not going to worry about that or my job will replace me. So I'm just going to work on me. And I think what I really wanted my kiddos to recognize is that, um, you know, the world around us was pretty much founded on people helping others and that we're here to do things to help others when we can. Um, And so I really wanted to look at all of that and spread just a message that I'm not helping myself for myself. It's not a selfish help where it's only me and only I can have this um, and that it really isn't going to matter if everybody else around me falls apart because I'm taking care of me, self-care, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Really, self-care is about I want to be able to do better for me so that I can give to others, that that's my ultimate goal because right. before I was burning out and still giving to others, but now it's I want to be I want to be well, I want to have healthy expectations, 
still have those same expectations for my kiddos, but then want them to recognize that I'm doing it so that I can give to them. And I want them to do it so that they can give to the next person, mm. not a selfish self-care. Yeah. I want no, it to be a giving self-care. Totally. I think that's a really good point because I think our culture, we're kind of all or nothing, a lot of all or nothing mentality. And so we tend to kind of go, you know, the, the pendulum swings as far as it can one way or the other. And so you get to that point of like, well, it is all about me and I don't care what anyone else thinks and I'm taking care of me. I think that's a really, really good point to keep in mind when we're talking about self-care. It's self-care with the purpose of serving others better. Yeah. I think that's great for sure. Well, one of the things you mentioned too, when we were talking was just this idea of either loving or disciplining um, with food. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about what you meant by that? I think that that is what I kind of grew up knowing. Um, And I just, you know, see those things. um, They've been a habit um, or just, just an ongoing existence in my own young childhood all the way up. And that there were two types of, food relationships someone was loving you with their food so they were bringing it to you baking it for you so if someone was sick you brought them something if someone if they needed help you were you were giving them food if it was the holidays you know you're making all of these foods and everything revolved around food and it ended up you know the more food I had the more somebody loved me and then if I chose to decline their food then it was like I didn't love them it was Mm -hmm. like I was sending this message of love you know, I always kind of call them the food pushers, um, where they know you're on a, a, a wellness journey. They know that, you know, you don't have a good relationship with food and that you would absolutely eat that entire bag of cookies that they brought you because, I mean, they love you. So they brought them to you and you have to eat them. Yeah. So having to be able to recognize that my, you know, declining something or choosing something different or not bringing others things that have to, I did the same thing. You know, I love to bake these cookies and I had to recognize that I wasn't going to bring them to my friend who who is on the same journey with me because that would just be, I would be the food pusher loving her with my food. Totally. Uh, And the other relationship was that disciplining, you know, um, it's bad to have that food. You can't have it. Um, You typically would tell their kiddos, if you don't eat the good, then you can't have the sweet, making it something that was good or bad, something that you could only have if you had been good. Mm. in some way, eating your good foods, eating these. And, um, so, you know, they would, you would take a, you know, go to bed without dinner or, or, you know, go to bed without that dessert because you didn't finish that or just that relationship of taking food away as a form of saying, well, you didn't do something well. So then now you can't have this food. Totally. And I think that those are the two relationships with food and then with love and discipline um, that have come about. And I feel like both, um, that wasn't really discipline. That's more like punishment. When you're punishing yourself, you're trying to tell yourself that that wasn't good. Yeah. But if you're really looking at discipline, it's a different perspective now. I think I've learned some of the things, even by reading through a lot of your posts and that you know, the biggest one was like, this isn't a cheat. It's a choice. Totally. And I think that's discipline to be able to choose to have a little rather than saying I wasn't good enough to have that. So, oh, that's so good. That's good right there. And the same with the love. I, I don't need to say I was good enough. I love myself. So have it. And you can just get back on. I really love the talk um, and the message that you shared about we're not starting over and I'm totally with you when I would be there and, Oh God, I had that cookie or those cookies and milk yesterday. So I might as well just eat everything I want today. Let's yep. go hard. Yep. So I <laughs> just being able to, that's the discipline that I want with food. Yeah. Not you were good or bad or you were loved or unloved and you can or can't have it. Yeah. Christina, that's so good. I resonate so much with what you're saying because I grew up in the South and, you know, I literally say, and I probably say this on nine out of 10 podcast episodes at this point, but in the South, we love each other in nine by 13s. You have a baby, we send you a casserole, you know, you have surgery, let me bring you some food. It is just how exactly what you said. It is how we love each other. And I have become very, very passionate about sort of disconnecting that and saying, 
you know, I'm happy to bring you a meal, but I'm also going to engage in a conversation with you. What else can I do? Can I pick something up for you? Can I clean your house? Can I do your laundry? Like, are, are there things, because I need to, because of my past relationship with food, disconnect and stop being that person who loves with food as well. And I think that's so good. And I grew up in that same home of you don't eat the good stuff. You can't get the bad, you know, or I have found myself now in my own parenting talking about with the kids, um, you know, what we need to finish on our plates or how we need to go about that. And we talk about what's on the plate. Okay. These are proteins and these are vegetables. This is the best fuel for your body. This is what your body needs so that you can think well and you can move and have energy. This will help you sleep. So these are the foods that I want you to eat because this is what's best for your body. Disconnecting from good, bad behavior, whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So that's what we've been doing, but that it's a hard transition when you have been sort of raised in that environment. So what would you say where is your relationship with food right now? Like, how has that kind of migrated through this whole journey? Um, I would say that my relationship with food is still ongoing. I think it's a work, like any relationship, right? Every relationship has its ebb and flow and it has its ups and downs. So the same as my relationship with food, I really have to check myself when I'm getting ready to say like, no, you weren't good this week, don't have that, or I want to be good, so don't have that. It can be mm-hmm. both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying, if I make that choice, am I choosing it because I'm wanting to feel better about myself? Then I'm not choosing that food for the right reason. I'm choosing it for all of the old reasons. I'm trying to love myself with food by saying, I deserve that because I've been good this week. I, I haven't had a cheat meal all week. I deserve that. Yeah. And really just changing that mentality and saying, I know right now that I need to distance myself from some of those foods because like you do in any relationship that is maybe a struggle, you might have to distance yourself from it to find yourself. And I think that's what I'm doing right now. I'm choosing to say that those items don't need to be in my, in my, um, in my eating dietary needs right now, not because they're good or bad, but because I want to choose the ones that fuel me. I want to really work hard on the mentality piece. And then I want to be intentional about what are the ones that I've truly missed along the way. And what are the ones that I can say, um, I'm choosing to have that and I can do it in a way that is not out of control and just eating it all because it's been so long. That's what I would tell myself. Like, okay, you can eat the whole pizza because you're not going to have it for another month. (laughs) Or I can say go ahead and have two slices because you know you're full after two and then make sure that you up those veggies and and make sure you add those things and not have that all or none because I would do that before. I think what I've learned lately is even if I'm going to have that, that choice to choose something that isn't the best fuel, I can't forget all of the fuel fuelings that I need to literally have for the rest of the day. It's those small increments that keep that metabolism going. And before I would be like, okay, not going to eat for the whole day, and then I'm going to have that big old meal Absolutely. for celebration. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I grew up. You know, if we were going to the buffet, you know, for a holiday, you, like, didn't eat breakfast. You know, my dad right. will even still do that. He'll he'll say things like, I haven't eaten all day in preparation, you know, for eating this. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, your body, like, you ha- you know, you can't, you're walking around on fumes right now because, your body doesn't have any fuel to even run itself, you know, right now it's running on fumes. And so one of the things you said when you're talking about, you know, your relationship with food is really still uh, growing and changing and adapting and all that. It made me think um, sometimes, you know, in a relationship, we don't know what else is out there because we're stuck in a bad relationship. And so if you think about your relationship with food that way, there are so many things we're missing out on. Like, Some of the things that we get from food, some of the satisfactions we get from food, an endorphin release or, you know, whatever, those can be replaced by other things. But because we're in such a toxic relationship with food, we aren't open to exploring those other things, going on a hike, participating in some kind of holiday run, engaging in a board game with a family instead of sitting around still snacking on food, all of those kind of things 
we miss out on those because of our toxic relationship with food. And that's really in kind of like a, a toxic dating relationship or anything else. You don't even, you can't even see what else is out there or what could potentially replace that because you're kind of just stuck in that, you know, negative space with it. And just kind of what it made me think of. Yes. Yeah. That is so true. Yeah. Well, um, I know one of the things you had mentioned too, was that maybe you have some picky eaters in your family. Is that <laughs> So, sorry, I was getting a drink, so I didn't, uh, I've got some kind of allergy stuff. And um, so with dealing with picky eaters, because I, you know, a lot of moms, I feel like deal with this um, and trying to get them to eat healthy choices and teach them about healthy foods and things, but deal with that, with that piece. And so, and not get into that toxic, well, if you don't eat the healthy stuff, you're not getting, you know, the greasy cup from your Halloween bag or whatever. So how are you, how are you navigating that? What does that look like in your home? Um, so some nights it looks like I'm going to cook this meal for me and my husband and my middle child. And I'm going to go ahead and I know that I can throw in some of these other things that they love um, for the oldest and the youngest who are my pickiest of eaters. Um, and so that that is what it does look like sometimes. And the part of me, um, you know, I grew up in that, you know, um, if you don't eat what we make, then you, you don't eat at all. And I've tried to switch that because obviously we know that that's an unhealthy relationship with food. Sure. Um, and... I switched it to if, you know, if you're not interested in what I'm making. So it's about that where you talking about food, talking about what the meal plan is and not just having these surprises because we know that, you know, if I know that I'm cooking something that my children absolutely have, maybe they've tried it, maybe they just can't get past the texture and trying to recognize that if I as an adult can say no to something because of texture, then why can't I let my child do that same thing um, but still have some boundaries you know there still has to be boundaries set and so um I'll typically cook things that can go along with what we are eating so like if I'm cooking chicken and I know that whatever topping I'm putting on there I can put some extra things in the oven for them that I know that they will eat as a main dish because I want them to be fueled I want them to have healthy foods but then I put a little bit of everything on their plate and we talk about um, taking a bite, someone that I used to work with called it the no thank you bite. And so you can't say, you know, not saying no thank you before you've ever given it a chance. Right. Um, so taking that, even if it's just a lick, like they know that as long as they just like, just lick it, smell it, something, anything. <laughs> and it might take it 47 times for me to get you to get that piece of cauliflower rice in your mouth. But if it, if it makes it onto your plate without you deciding you're not going to eat anything, that was a huge, um, that just was, it was huge for them, especially with as picky as they were. And I mean, I started out as the mom who made 17 different meals. Um, and now I make my main item, I make the sides, and then I'll throw in something that I know that they, you know, would like if I can. And if not, if I think that this is something that they would like, if they would just try it, we have talked about what we're having, um, then they can try it all, and in the end, if they would like to prepare something on their own. So if they want to grab something that they can microwave or something that they can, um, and then they're welcome to prepare that, to kind of teach them, you know, hey, I can't stand here and cook for three hours because you all don't want what I'm making, but I want you to be nourished. I want you to choose something. Here are your other options. And I kind of set, again, set those healthy boundaries. It's taken a long time to get there. Um, but for the most part, um, the younger one is starting to try a few things. The older one has started throwing some things just within the last like six months. He started eating things that were like, wow, like before that was a hard no, wouldn't even put it on the plate. And, um, so we've just been really talking up to my, you know, the middle one will try anything. And again, not trying to say, you know, you're good or bad because you did or did it, but just more or less like, Hey, you will try anything. And we just kind of throw that out there to give him a shout out and see if his brothers will pick up on that. 
Yeah. And do you feel like, and this is no judgment at all, because I feel like a lot of parents deal with like picky eaters with their kiddos. And I very much grew up in that same home of like, you don't eat this, you don't eat at all. Now we will, you know, sometimes on my health journey, I have things and I'm like, there's no way my kids like this. So I might make them something else if it's something really obscure, you know. Um, But for the most part, we kind of subscribe to like, this is what's been prepared. We're going to be grateful for what we have. This is healthy food. This is not like something disgusting. I'm not asking you to eat, you know, weird anything. Not We're not having octopus for dinner. Um, but, you know, kind of balancing that with, I want you to understand gratitude and gratefulness and that this food has been prepared by someone who cares about you. And, um, you know, we also to kind of talk about our meal plan. What do you guys want to have this week and stuff like that? Um, but if a parent is struggling, especially in those toddler stages, are there things that you feel like could have helped with that or like both your kids just, and you raised all three kids, same household, right? And they're totally different. So are there things you kind of took away from those? Like, oh, I wish we had done that. Or do you just feel like that's just kind of how they are? Because I think it would be helpful to know if it's kind of, you know, a myth of like, well, if you only let them eat that, that's all they're ever going to eat. Or if some kids are just pickier than other kids. No, I, we definitely always say, where did we go wrong with the first and third? Because the middle <laughs> one will eat anything. And, um, so I do think that it's a little bit, um, and I'm not, you know, I am going to say that, yes. So first child, you know, you're learning the ropes. Um, when you find things that they will eat, I think one of the things that I wish I had known that we found out with the second is that they'll go through these phases where something that they loved, they kind of don't love for a little bit. Sure. And I think with our first child, um, we would let him run that show. And so if he loved the broccoli and all that stuff and then all of a sudden he stopped eating and we were like oh he doesn't like it and we kind of stopped serving it Mm. and that was really when I was in my you know the biggest struggle with food was after having him I think that's where it kind of began and so I wasn't always eating the healthiest I mean we were young parents um uh, we were you know just figuring out all of the things I'm pretty sure it was hamburger helper and canned green beans most nights girl hear that Um, and so I think that that was something that I learned with the, the second child is that um, they were going to come back around to it if I kept serving it, sure. but if I pulled it out completely. So I do think it's a little bit of um, that first one. He definitely, once we found a good kind of repertoire of things that he would eat, it became easy and convenient just to keep cooking those things because we totally. knew he was going to eat them. There was not going to be a battle. We knew he was going to be fed and he was going to sleep well because his tummy was full and we were tired so we wanted him to eat the things that he would go to bed and do well with um child number two we were tired anyway it didn't matter so um, this, this is what you get um and so we did run through a lot of things with him um where we we just kept pushing and eating and he obviously ate table foods a little bit sooner because you know you're not as worried the first time around absolutely I think he learned to like some of those weird textured real foods a lot sooner and um, that that became kind of a love for him and and he would try everything. Um, And with my third, we kind of reverted back for a little while to some of the things that um, we had forgotten we didn't want to do the first time around. And it really had to be around with, you know, he had a lot of illness when he was little Mm. and then he ended up getting diagnosed with type one which is a whole nother relationship with food. Totally. And um, he, you know, there was, he has to eat, you know, he can't say, here's what I've prepared. And if you don't eat it, we really don't get that option with him. Sure. So that's where it really made us reflect upon what are the habits that we need him to grow up knowing. And that um, I agree with you to be grateful for the things that we have and to um, teach him. I want him to have those things as well. Uh, but also to know that sometimes if he really truly is not going to eat enough of that food or if it's something that he just can't seem to handle, um, that for his body, we, we will have to find an alternate. Yeah. And we, again, I think it's about boundaries. He knows when he can do that, and I think I've learned, and my husband has learned, the ones that he truly does like, and that if we leave it there long enough, he's going to pick it up and he's going to eat it. And like you said, if it's something, you know, very 
just like adult like I guess if I would view it that way or totally. like a new recipe I'm trying I won't really hold him to it because I want to make sure that he knows that there are going to be times he's going to have to look for something like maybe he goes somewhere as he gets older and the foods there are not ones that are really the best for him or things that yeah. he would choose and he might have to leave there he might still I want him to still be respectful and grateful and thank you and try what he can and then to know that um, he might have to as he leaves there, get some things that help fulfill those needs that he has. Yeah. And no, I think it's a really good point. And, you know, this is another reason why I love having these conversations with mamas because it really opens my eyes to things too. You know, sometimes I think like, okay, we're, we're doing a really good job, you know, not providing them with a different meal. And then God kind of slaps me in the face and reminds me that like, well, Nadia, what's the difference when you go to someone else's house then and they're serving something that is not on your nutritional plan right now and is really going to sabotage what you're doing? Um, <laughs> should you just eat it and be grateful because that's what you're teaching your kids, right? And so, like you said, there's boundaries. There has to be some give and take. And again, I think it goes back to what you said before. We really just started talking about it and communicating about all of this stuff so that you can start to just have a conversation and it not just be so rigid maybe, um, which is kind of how the type A personality in me tends to be. Um, so I, I <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate that because that's some actually really good huh, food for thought for me to think about. <laughs> so, um, well, you mentioned your youngest and that he has type one diabetes and, you know, I can't imagine um, how that has changed the dynamic of your family. And then, of course, that relationship with food and how all of that plays in. And so um, and then on top of that, you being a mom who's on this health journey. And I know you've mentioned to me personally, you have to get up and check blood sugars and all these things and which impacts your sleep and all of this. So how have you kind of navigated that or have there been things that like takeaways that you've learned from that and you know, anything that you would want to share with a parent who has a kid with some type of special need and might be struggling? Yes. Um, I think that, that, um, so he, um, he is nine and he was diagnosed when he was three and, um, we had to relearn, um, again, yet another relationship with food and, one of the things at first, you know, anybody out there struggling with a kiddo that has um, any type of um, special need, I think that, you know, although ours is with blood sugars and medicines and food, I think it all kind of ties in with anybody who's having a kiddo that, you know, it's going to touch food, it's going to touch sleep, it's going to touch just your overall wellness, Sure. kind of like the same way that we're working on this health journey with our food and wellness and, and health. And, um, Something that we started out with because, you know, that's kind of what the nutritionists would say. You know, many of the nutritionists that we met up with, um, they are still on that. You know, your body needs a certain number of all of these things to keep it going. And you can eat whatever you want. Just make sure you give, you know, give all the insulin in the world that you need. And although his diabetes is different than, say, type 2, where you are trying to manage it with your food intake, um, his body doesn't produce any insulin. There's nothing we can do about that. And there's nothing we did. Um, that we could change it. Um, And that was one of the first things we had to talk about. And so as moms, I think we, when our kiddos are are diagnosed with something, we take it on and we become sympathetic and we, we have that mommy guilt where we just, is there something I could have done that would have made this different? Would Mm -hmm. it not have happened if I had just done this or this? And um, it really caused me to look into and lean into, um, my relationship with that food mentality of you have to eat it or it's, you're not going to have anything or no, that's a bad food. Um, if you, if you eat that food, it's, it, you can't eat it because of your, you know, disability or diabetes. And we learned about after six months that we didn't want to do that. That made, that started causing him to be angry at his diagnosis. This, this diagnosis that he was going to have to live with for the rest of his life. Hopefully not. Maybe a cure um, in our lifetime would be something amazing. But he started to blame his illness, and then he then had his this just hate relationship. And we started having food hiding and sneaking, and we went through all of those stages. And wow. I looked at him as he was kind of like a little me. Those are the same things I went through, but with with weight with my weight relationship and my health. Like I'll just sneak this one at two a.m. and nobody's going to see me. Totally. And I'll, 
if I hide these foods, then I won't be able to find them. I would tell my husband to hide them. And then that's what we were doing to him. Yeah. Uh, and so when I had to look back and we finally realized that we wanted to be able to let him know, kind of like you described, here are the things that are going to really help your blood sugars right now. Because as we're trying to pretend to be a pancreas, it's really just this big guessing game. But we do know that there are some really good foods out there that help us yep. in this guessing game. And so letting him know that if he's choosing those, he's going to feel better. He's going to have more freedom. He's going to be able, you know, to, um, do more things that he wants to do because his body is going to be in better health yeah. and teaching him to eat those sweets, not because they're bad for his blood sugar, but just in moderation again, Totally, he can absolutely have that many, you know, three musketeers. I don't need to tell him, no, your blood sugar is high. We do. We did finally take that out of our repertoire. We do not, we no longer, Tell him you can or cannot have things because of something that he really can't control. Mm. And I think that was the same thing we were doing with, you know, the love or um, loving or disciplining. Those aren't things that I can really control from someone. I can't make them love me more. I couldn't make his blood sugar better just because we did these things. Um, sometimes it just did whatever it wanted, but we could teach him. And it's, it's a learning process. And I think that it goes back to including him. And that is something that we have really tried to hit hard this last year. Um, we were doing all the work because we didn't want him, you know, he was going to have to live this with forever. And we wanted to just make sure that, you know, we took the burden for as long as we could. But then it came back to, um, with, and I think, I hope that I would see this with any um, special need that might come our way. Um, that if we include them and we teach them about it, and if we let them talk about it, if we talk about it freely with people, um, that he will be able to manage all of those things that come along way, um, way more appropriately rather than learning to hide it, not talk about it. And that, you know, it's something good or bad, but that it just is, it, it is who he is. Mm -hmm. And so then food talk is going to be who we are. And, um, we want to make sure that he knows what options he has so that we don't fall into unhealthy habits with food. Since pretty much everything he does during the day revolves around counting carbs and weighing food yeah. and dosing medicine. So I would say to any mom out there that's working with the kiddo at, that has type one, especially, um, I know that it is tiresome. Um, lean into your partner if you have one, uh, because I didn't do that. I kind of did it all at first. Again, that all or none mentality. And so just making sure that you lean into them. But I think that that's with everything. We try to do it all ourselves. Um, I definitely resonate with the type A personality. <laughs> and um, that I wasn't being, I wasn't teaching them all of the strategies that they needed to learn mm -hmm. and I really wasn't actually helping him. And so we talk a lot more about it and we talk out loud about what we're doing. And I think that that's a skill that we use in all of these different areas. So yet again, it comes back up that, you know, talking about it, being open about it, um, including them in all of these decisions that you're making about their bodies and about their, their health, whether, no matter what the the special need is if, if we include them um then they will be better because of it yeah no I think that's really good I mean I think um I have a sister who has down syndrome um and so she wasn't cognitive really enough to be included in those decisions but I think about even my own kids any area where they're struggling or they have an issue it can be easy for us parents, I think, to think that we are somehow protecting them from something by carrying that whole burden. And mm -hmm. really, you know, our goal as parents is to get them to adulthood where they can thrive and, you know, be successful and pursue dreams and all of those things. And when we protect them so much, it's almost like, well, you don't trust me to take care of it, or I'm not good enough to take care of it, or I'm not strong enough to handle this. What is it that you're, you know, and I have some other adult friends who struggle with sort of going after anything or risk because they had so much parental involvement and so much protectiveness that they don't trust themselves to handle, yeah. you know, anything. And so I think that that's a really good 
takeaway um, that including our children in those conversations as they're appropriate for their age, of course, but starting to really engage with them um, about what's going on is so important. I think back to looking at, you know, a lot of the recommendations that, you know, looking at like when you're child is a baby and you know a lot of the education out there for parents is even though you don't think they can hear you talk about what you're doing to you know with them sure talk about what you're doing when you're changing their diapers talk about what you're doing when you're preparing the foods for them you know pull their high chair up to where you are rather than you know I've done it we used to do it you know we put them in front of the tv occupy them while I do the real work but really you know if I could go back I would I would pull them closer to what I was doing and maybe they'd be screaming maybe they'd be whatever but just having them be a part of what we were doing rather than I'm gonna do the work and you go over and just be occupied Mm -hmm. um I think that's some you know big message I would give to those moms out there with little ones and with toddlers and even, you know, with kiddos now, the ages of my kiddos, I found that, you know, um, making sure that I talk with them about choices that we're making, letting them know that sometimes this is an adult choice that needs to be made and, but describing to them why that choice is being made, not just because I'm the adult, um, and why it is that it's going to be helpful for them. And then including them when we make mistakes and letting them see those those mistakes and letting them hear us say, that's not how I wanted to show up today. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, this is what I, this is what I really pictured. And then it didn't happen that way. And, and letting them talk to you about it. Um, like you said, to the, to the best of their cognitive abilities and, and to what they can, you know, handle and support. But, yeah. um, I think that starting from infant and talking to them about what you're doing and then those toddlers, when you've got them there, pull them close into what you're doing and safely let them be a part. Um, and then when they become able to, you know, recognize, you know, that love, that discipline, that all of those things that you would talk about deeper and just start having many, many conversations with mm-hmm. them. And we might learn a lot from them that we would be surprised about and that yeah. they might have the answer sometimes too. Yeah, I think that's such a good thing that you said there about letting them be part of, you know what, that's not how mom wanted to show up today. I'm sorry. (laughs) I owe you an apology. I think sometimes as parents, we want to get it perfect and we screw up a lot with our kids because they're the people we're around the most. And so, and they're the most loving as far as unconditionally. I feel like our spouses or partners and our kiddos we screw up the most around them because they love us the most unconditionally. And so I think being vulnerable like that and sharing, I'm sorry, shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? Sets the stage for them of, oh, I can fail. Mom does. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We'll just move on. I'll apologize. I'll ask for forgiveness. I'll take whatever consequences might come with that. Um, but it's okay to fail. Mom messes up. Dad messes up. They're not perfect either. Um, that's so good. Such an important thing. Well, Absolutely. as we are kind of starting to wrap up, I know you mentioned, um, you know, leaning into your partner. And I, I love to talk about parenting, but I also love to talk about marriage and, you know, how we keep that strong. As a working mom, you know, we are working, our spouses are working, then we're managing the family. And that dynamic, I think, looks a little bit different than maybe a mom who stays at home and only one parent is working. And so are there, um, you know, things that you and your husband do that you feel like have helped you keep your marriage strong, um, you know, and things you do as partnerships with your family or kind of what advice do you have for that? Um, so, you know, my, my husband, um, he is, he's an amazing partner and, but we've had our, we've had our struggles. We've had moments. I always say I'm the one who struggles the most. You know, we, um, you have your sweet and sour. I said, I must be our sour. He's always (laughs) like, absolutely not. So we, we talk about how we see other couples like, oh gosh, they're, they're both um, sour. Can you have two sours? Like, how would that work? So That's I was so like, funny. I must be the sour. And he always tells me no. And um, so I think a lot of times the things that um, I have recognized that we've worked through as partners is um, I didn't always lean into him. I would do all of the things and expect him to know that I was doing those things. And then when he didn't recognize that I was doing them, like maybe I couldn't do that thing that I'd always done. I would get so frustrated because I'd want him to know that that's where he needed to jump in, but I never said anything. 
Um, and that, that came when they were babies and it was like time for him. Like I had gotten up the last seven nights and it was like, I hear myself yelling at him, it's your turn. But it was like, well, I've done it for the last six months. And he didn't, how did he know it was supposed to be, you know, his turn. And, um, looking at things as turns, I guess, was one of those things that we had to move away from and really start looking at, this is what, these are all the things that we have to do. And these are all of the things that, um, make our house what it is. And again, including the kiddos, Hey, we don't, we don't have a chore. Mom and dad doesn't, you know, I don't do the dishes this week and he does them next week and he never does them. We started talking about how we know these are the things that we have to do as a, as a family, whether it be me and him or the family all together and being able to, um, recognize that, that I sometimes have to pick up where he has left off and he has to do the same for me, but I have to say something and he has to say something. Um, I have to be able to say, I just don't have enough in me today. Um, I know I usually get up during the week, um, with our son, you know, because he gets up at 4am and I get to sleep in for another, you know, hour. So, but then there's some nights that I have to not feel like I failed by saying, I really need you to do it tonight. And he's happy to, but I think sometimes before I would get frustrated and upset and that, and never was I asking for what I needed. And so I've been listening to a lot of Renee podcasts. Yeah. Um, Renee Brown. Yeah. And I love went to her. a big training this last summer um, that my um, school sent uh, admin to, which was awesome. And I started to use a lot of that perspective to recognize that as a type A personality, I would do everything. Um, but when I needed the help, I wasn't asking for it in, in a way that let someone know that, um, you know, I had kind of hit my peak. And so I was doing my husband a, a disservice, um, and I was doing myself a disservice. And we kind of had an aha moment. Um, he had gone to a, his own leadership training, and um, it talked about with him, you know, and he came home and shared it with me. And he really, he's never really gone away. He's always, I'm always the one that goes away places, and he always is a homebody and stays home. And it was good for him, and it was good for us. And he came home and he said that he went through one of these sessions that they talked about. Um, you know, you don't see all of the little things that go into making all that we have that is great. And it talked about smelling the sheets is what this message was. And it was like, if you go home and you smell the sheets and they're fresh and clean, then you would know that your partner, your wife, um, or husband, if it was, you know, the wife that was there had been working hard to keep the house clean while you were away and all of the things that they were doing or, Every time your, you know, your partner says that an appointment is made for your child, if they're the ones who are doing it, recognizing those things. And it talked about how you always want to be that person for someone. You want to be on their list. Everybody Mm -hmm. has these lists of people that they would do for or would want them to do for them. And he's like, I wanted, he told me, "I, I wanted, you're on my list, but I don't know if I've done all the things that get me on your list mm. is what he said. Wow. And I thought that that was so amazing because I was like, no, you're definitely like, I feel the, I feel the same, but in reverse. And that's when we started having those moments where it's like, here's all the things I've, I've done today. And I just really can't pick this one up. Do you, can you do that? And really giving myself permission to ask for help. And that it wasn't that I was failing as a parent or as a mom or as a partner, but I was actually succeeding because I was reaching out and saying, I don't need to shield you from all that I do because I, if I don't get it done, it's just me that is hurt. I just need to let you know what we need and then we can work together. Who girl dropping some truth <laughs> on me in the, in the Sunday afternoon talk here. Wow. Woo. That's so good. Uh, I am a hundred percent that person that you described. I will do it all and then be resentful when the one thing I can't seem to get accomplished doesn't get done a hundred percent and I'm sitting here like well she's just talking about me that's that's what's happening um yeah that's that's so good thank you for sharing that and I I love Brene Brown I think she's just so good at helping us understand things aren't the way that we seem our husbands or our partners are probably not intentionally trying to make us be martyrs for our own family. You know, like we, we have to communicate and ask for help. And that is really difficult for me to do. Um, but I, I am working on it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, that's, that's really good. Um, well, before we kind of close, um, you use this word multiple times, 
um, during our chat today, and that's boundaries. And, you know, I had always been someone who used the word balance. And I had done a, a podcast a couple of months ago um, with a friend of mine, Amber, and she said, I would actually not say balance. I would say that I have boundaries. And I have been sort of sitting with that word because I think that maybe for working mamas, when we're trying to juggle career and marriage and family and volunteering and serving others and all the health and all the things, maybe boundaries is the better word. Do you feel like that that's true for you? And how do boundaries really like play a role um, in your life? I, I absolutely, I guess I would have never thought about um, balance and boundaries being something that I would maybe want to trade one for the other. But now that I think about it, um, when I think of balancing, I think about, you know, you've got your, your two sides and you're doing it all. You're juggling yep. it all all the time and you just want to be evened out, right? So that's where you would have balance. But I think with boundaries, you're not juggling at all. It's you have you have your boundary and what you can handle and hold and take care of comes inside the boundary and what you need to put off and and say you know that's not able to be done at this time or I need help on that maybe goes outside of your boundary yeah and we're not then that takes the stress and the that commitment to say that if I didn't do if I'm not balanced out today I've somehow failed but instead what was within my boundaries did I accomplish those tasks what did I have to say, you know, that's really outside and maybe some things never come inside. You know, there's boundaries, I think, with with family that you have to make that you won't ever um, come back in. But I think that, you know, boundaries are not um, stationary. I think that they're fluid. I think that they um, ebb and flow is what we need and what we can handle. Um, but there are some hard and fast points in our boundaries that we've set up that, that do have to remain so that we can stay true to us and we can stay true to what we believe in. Um, and I think that with balance, maybe sometimes you might falter on those things that you believe in or trust to make it even out. Yeah. And I absolutely would say that boundaries would be something I would choose um, so that I could make sure that I could set my commitment. I don't think I'd set a commitment with balance because I'd always be trying to put something on the other side to even it out. Totally. Yeah, or or adding more arms or limbs or balancing yes. things on your nose or your head when that's not possible. It's just not possible. Yeah, I loved that because I felt like boundaries were, you know, I would get to the end of that boundary and then sort of step over into the next one. You know, one of the things she had shared was that she really blocks out five to seven every day and that is family time and that is a strict boundary because as a working mom it can kind of all mesh together sometimes and everything is just in there uh trying to find time with you you know as the mom or as the employee or whatever and she's like, yeah. I just I block that out and that's everybody knows that is family time and so um yeah so I, I think that word boundary I've just really really been uh pondering that so that's another Brene word. I would have to say that that was something that I, I definitely learned um, through the leadership piece and um, really, I think, started setting those boundaries in my professional world a yeah. little bit um, early on um, because it's been a little over a year that we went through that training um, and then started to focus and practice them within home and with my children. And being able to, you know, like you said, you know, Sundays are going to be my day to um, do all of these things that need to be done. And the boundary is, is that, well, it has to be one of the days. And so if we need to switch, you know, switch our day with family to, you know, do something that, oh, well, this is really has to happen on a Sunday. I still make sure that, well, then the other day then is going to be our relaxation day where I go and, totally. and do, you know, and, and trying to keep those set, um, and of course it doesn't always work perfectly. And, um, there's always, you know, there's sometimes there's a struggle and sometimes there's things that go on. Sure. Um, but for the most part, I think that, you know, learning that by setting a boundary, I was, I was actually loving those that I was setting boundaries with more than if I just 
let them constantly cross over yes. or not have any boundary at all. I wasn't loving myself, so then therefore I wasn't loving them. And um, that the boundary is actually love. It's love and trust and forgiveness in my world. Those are kind of the biggest, um, you know, things that I have been working on. And if I don't have those boundaries, then I find that I trust less and I don't have as much love to give because I'm feeling overwhelmed or unsuccessful. And I'm able to... I'm not able to forgive as much for myself and others. I love that. Well, this has been absolutely awesome. Um, Loved our conversation. Thank you so much for taking time to join and share your story. I know it's definitely going to be an encouragement to other mamas out there. Thank you so much for having me. This is a first for me, and I had a pleasure talking with you, and I just love watching your journey and all of the inspirational things that you share. Um, definitely help me as a, as a working mom keep going some days. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I felt like she was talking straight to me about a couple of those things and I really had some big takeaways um, particularly that whole bit about you know being resentful about doing all the things and then being mad when I can't do all the things so it's something I'm definitely gonna be working on this week but um, I hope you enjoyed that please feel free to share um, let other mamas know that we are out there. And if you loved today's episode, could you just like and leave a review? And also, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can also do that so that you get a notification every time I launch a new episode. And then, as always, I am looking for amazing mamas to be on the 2021 calendar. So if you um, know someone or you'd love to share your story, please reach out. Um, You may think that you don't have a story to share, but we all do, and we can all benefit from sharing our stories um, and just being an encouragement and affirming some other mom out there. So if you would be interested in being a guest or you know someone who would be awesome, please send me a message so that I can reach out. And as always, have a wonderful week or evening or morning or whenever you've got the time to listen. I so appreciate your time, and I just appreciate you joining me for today's episode of the Memoirs from the Minivan podcast. Have a great day.